everyone, oh my gosh, what is up with my hair? See this? It's like, I look like a fraggle today. We and just went over this. I, I told you I, I, I like the- It's dry. My hair is dry and I look like a fraggle. No, Heather's hair is like- what, a Fraggle rock? Moist. Like fraggle rock fraggle? Like dried fraggle rock hair right now. Damn You're fraggalicious. You're fraggalicious. I'm way too fraggalicious. I'm not really happy. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. It's Do not going even. the fraggle rocks? So you guys oh, were yeah. talking- it back. Before, yeah, fraggle- well, well you have to bring in the show, Maya. You do have to bring in the show. Yeah, maybe I'll get a job finally in comedy. Listen, um, what you guys were talking about? You saw the RNC. Who saw the RNC? I was watching a little. I have I to see the. I always have to watch them a little just to see what they're talking about, just to see how much they're lying. But it's scary that they're actually dismissing everything, like nothing, like no it's COVID, lies. no racism nothing they're just saying completely that hey we have to save america that's it we, we, ha we, a picture. we have to that's a little scary it, it's it's actually very scary to me that he is actually painting a picture of complete that we are going to uh biden is going to destroy the country he's a socialist he's going to uh allow suburbia to be attacked by all of these uh, low pro uh, low income housing projects. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I have never seen people lie. Just, I mean, nothing is truthful. I haven't yeah. seen anything truthful. They have no agenda, no plans to do anything. Like, there's no like, this is my well, policy. I'm, I'm going to make. I'm going to try to create jobs. I'm going to do energy. Nothing. Nothing. It's all about taking America back. I don't even know. All I know is I, I, I couldn't even turn on. I couldn't even turn on the DNC. I do need to go back and look at the Obama's speeches, but I couldn't. I, I found myself. I found the whole thing a little. I always watch. I usually watch both. Um, mm -hmm. But I've just like, I don't know. I, I find just the whole weird talking into a box. Um, no audience. Uh, it just kind of, it just f fell flat. And then I tuned in for a few minutes and I got Biden's um, story of his childhood of when he had a severe stutter. And I'm a comedian, man. You can't, you can't do a serious documentary about a guy with a stutter and not be like, I'm like, oh man, we, like, we forgot that that's how it would play out. Do you know what I mean? We <laughs> forgot that that's how, like when you think about how things are going to play out, look, my fraggle is, I just have to pull it back. Girl, you're a fragalicious. Cut it out. Okay. Go with it. Fragalicious. I like that. So, so what I'm saying is that That's right. Now you're making it worse. So now, now, Maya. Now, now it's worse. Yeah. Now it's worse. Now it's worse. <laughs> now it's way. Now, Maya, you might want to take it. Let her stop. Oh, oh, it looks so, so good a hair? second ago. It looks you so good. You were just saying something important now. This is really. just like, Maya, like, really, you were saying something important now. Oh, yeah. Now it's embarrassing. Now I, I, um, I'm gonna look this way till it's ready. Okay, so this is. <laughs> yeah, me, 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 and Felicia won't look till you're ready. Okay, no, um, but, but I'm finding it really hard. Like when when they started to get into this whole and this whole thing about his stutter, I'm sorry, I, it just hit me with moments like we. I I look at everything as we've gotten so far into like crazy land. We really mm -hmm, have, mm -hmm. and so like I'm trying to like I, I'm just praying. I, it's almost like how my older sister looks at me like, please, just don't say anything. 
embarrassing and stupid. Like my sister has had the look on her face that I felt like I was watching like Biden and the whole Biden story. I, I'm like, I'm always like, oh, please don't, don't scar us, you know? And um, that's how my sister looks at me. So I know the look, you know? Um, <laughs> Come on, Trump made fun of a retarded person. Think about this. But it doesn't Are matter. Trump openly yeah. it on doesn't stage matter. He won of, after I mean, that. That's what I'm saying. This is where our country is going to. But guys. with the this stutter thing, with yeah. the stutter thing, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was like, I finally tune in. I'm like, I gotta just pay attention. <laughs> I tune in. And that's the moment I get. Oh, you mean with like, the kid? Oh, no. You're not laughing at the kid. No, huh? you mean the kid stutter. that he brought? No, the stuttering no. kid. No, oh, the, uh, his story of him overcoming oh, his I'm sorry, stutter. The story of, of Biden's yeah. tragic past. When it got into the family, you know, the family members had passed. I was like, okay, that's so moving. What a wonderful dad. But, but, but before that, it was like an overcoming the stutter. And it was just, it looked like a Saturday Night Live sketch. Like everything looks like a Saturday Night Live sketch. From, I'm just well, it's saying. reality TV. It's reality TV. That's why. It's not real. You're, they're selling us. They're trying to sell yeah. us. I know. So, it. Look, I got a, I got yeah. a dad. Welcome to the Twilight Zone. Hey, somebody's frozen. Do you see? Okay, never mind. I mean, so, so, I mean, you know, we, I don't want to talk about politics, but when you yeah. look no, at I these you. things, when but, you look at it, you but, just have but, to be aware. That's all. Don't sleep on this guy because. Look, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm not. I just, I, I just think it's gross that, that they spend millions upon millions of dollars on an election and on a Republican and a Democratic convention when you're preaching to your own choir. And yeah. this country's in the shitter and people are pumping hundreds of millions of dollars into an election and into a convention mm -hmm. that's nothing more than sound bites for the media. Like it's really- Yeah. 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 You know, Especially since they cut our unemployment, we have no money. I'm getting a, you know, we got what was $150 a week unemployment is what everyone's down to. And, and that's because California is pumping out 150 and nobody else is doing anything else. And now they're and like, they're all hanging out somewhere. You know, they're yeah. all like in their little cages and do, like they're on recess. They're not well, actually making any decisions right now. Yeah. And there's a call among some senators to please <laughs> in recess because like what's yeah. going to happen to the housing? What's going to happen if a, since oh, eviction court is open yeah. and well, where are people going to live? Things, we're going to have to move to, it, we're all moving to Ohio. The, yeah. They can't evict everybody. They can't evict everybody. No, Nobody can't. paid their rent or their mortgage. They can't put everybody out. Well, no, they suppose, actually, well, what happened is there's no funding for the rent. It was supposed to be a stimulus to to also compensate for people who can't pay their rent. That right. hasn't even been passed. So no. people <clears throat> are still waiting until Congress has their recess, until the recess mm -hmm. is finished, until September 1st. But I like, yeah, so people can't, they don't know what's going on. And Well, and, I know. And yeah. uh, sorry, I was going to join. Um, I think oh, no. that- The uh, Canadian speaks. I think that- <laughs> What are they called? The um, Republic? Re uh, no, I'm kidding. I was going to make a dumb joke. <laughs> no, but I, uh, it's like I just moved down here, so I don't really understand how it works. Now, the whole world knows how this country works uh, because everyone's like, what's Better than happening? we do. Some of them. 
Some of them do. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting because I read this great book and it really talked about how the Republicans have the, for the last 40 years been slowly uh, manipulating and working their way. And it wasn't even, it was obviously biased to a degree, but it really was how they had this ideological shift where they're, it's much more about the idea and the, the, it's not really about particular issues or how, it's about this idea of America and freedom. And it's very emotional, but it doesn't really mean anything. And that's how they, they're now in the Supreme. Because when people say, oh, the Democrats are bad too. Yeah, but they don't own the Supreme Court. You know, they don't own the Senate right now. They don't own, and, mm -hmm. and these, it's going to be really hard to get they this stuff the courts, out. Man, Mark, they, they have the courts, courts. They have the courts yeah. for life now. This they're they're very smart. I mean, it's like, and they know their base to be like, Argh! and it's like, that's all they need. That's what they're right. doing. And the Democrats are trying to talk about issues and no one cares about issues. They just want to hear clickbait and sound bites. And, and then we're busy like, then we're busy being like, I wonder where she's from. I mean, is she really American? It's like, really, oh, guys? <laughs> There's something but, but serious going on. Is that really on your mind? <laughs> that are uh, very condescending. They don't believe in the system, right? So you, they don't vote. You have those people who will say, oh, I don't care. But at the same time, if you understood the laws and voting locally and mm -hmm. all those small districts and counties, that that's how they're winning. Yeah. Because people don't vote. The poor people yeah. feel like, oh, I'm dis. But then it, this is a cycle and it, it just continues down the line of Pam, you Pam, know. Pam's like wiping her nose. We're all like, my eyes are totally over it. Don't say Pam's like, Pam's like Look. Would you want to let it run down? Come on now. <laughs> Here you go, Maya. Is this better? No, but I agree with you. And I think I wish we could do something where we could like at least like tell people who's what on the on the you know, and well, you see, I, I just you think get all these names. I don't they know. Don't think about it. No, yeah, I, don't, I don't know about all these people. I'm, yeah. I'm just as guilty. You, I think I'm going in for voting for a president, and then it's like, who's this person and who's that person? And then I'm like, well, they got an O at the end of the name. I guess they're Italian. I guess I should vote for them. And that's well, we should take the time <laughs> to learn. That's all. Yeah, we have to take the and time you know, learn. it's crazy because like here. When I went in to vote last time, it was like all these seats uncontested, 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 uncontested. So there mm. were like all of these people that ran with nobody running against them. That's how locked right. in it is for the people yeah. who understand what that yeah. system yeah. does, what purpose right. it serves and how yes. it works. Totally. It's just like, wow. Like there wasn't even yeah. one option one or option two. It was just like nobody ran for yeah. all. Honestly, I think to make the most change in this country, it has to be people on the ground making change and more on a grassroots level because the government is useless. Honestly, we are yeah. the government if we well, take our seat. A Democrat or Republican, it's they're they're all in there for themselves. Well the the truth is they're actually I mean I know what you're saying they're useless for us, but they're so powerful and they make the laws and they can do so much damage yeah. that it's it's terrifying. And um it's amazing how well they create the narrative. Because if you talk to anybody, well, you said your family's in there too. I was talking to someone who's a Republican and they're, I swear to God, a good person. Like you want to go, they're all monsters and they're all, and you meet them and they're very caring and they work at a hospice on, or they volunteer at a hospice. And, but they believe this stuff. You'll go, oh, well this happened. They're like, well, that's because like, you'll say the male. He said the male, no, he didn't. The male's fine. That's just the liberals. And you're like, oh my God. It's Fox News because I remember when I would do military bases and I go over on military bases and they only had Fox News. So you're like, so wow. you're on different places around the world on a military base and you don't even have a choice 
of resources of what to listen to. And that's when Obama was right. in. They were, it was, it right. was this, this, you know, so, and it's funny because like I have friends calling in from Scotland and they're like, you guys really believe that, that like Fox News is real news? Like, <laughs> like I, I would get these they kind do. of calls from other you know, and, and cousins from Australia, like, are you guys okay over there? What's going on? Like, you know, when, when, yeah. when, um, when, because I, I don't understand. And, and so people are only getting the sound bites and they're only getting, they're getting pumped yeah. up because that's how it's been designed well, with the A lot of people um, don't networks. read and they don't get facts. And so unfortunately, that's just the way it is. I, yeah. I, I, I have to accept that. I mean, my father was a civil rights activist. So if I don't vote, my mother will make me feel it. My right. father. And my father being gone, I have to vote. I don't care. I have to. Locally and primaries, everything. I have to vote. So it, so I argue with people all the time because I have friends that say, oh, why would I vote? I don't care. I'm disenfranchised. They don't care about me. That's on you. That's your opinion. Yeah. I, yeah. Had, the, I had the same thing with my, with my grandmother. My grandmother was like the vice president of the uh, Black Republican Party of Ohio. And so she would back even then would dine with the governor and she was pushing voter registration for NAACP. And she was, she was so involved, but that was like with the old Republicans back, you know, a thousand that's years. real. She, but the she thing was, so, no, yeah. So she was, they, and all of my cousins were extremely active in campaigns and getting involved. What happened to you? Community. I don't know. And what so, in the world? No, and that's why I started you know, working uh, with the Hollywood NAACP I try to donate my time to, and we've done a lot of work for. Um, Heather, what happened to you guys? You know, you know it's yeah. so crazy, you know, it's so crazy I'm, like, I'm, just I'm, how you're saying that they're people, Masavia, when you were like, they're people who are like, oh, it doesn't matter, I don't care, like, it doesn't affect me, I'm disenfranchised. Meanwhile, there's a whole bunch of people that work for good politicians who are sitting in the office going, how can we reach them, and what are the needs, and how is, what is the solution, and, and can you find anybody to ring in on this, and is there anybody from the neighborhood that we can talk to, and, you know, and they're sitting there in their little boxes in their cubicles trying yeah. to get our opinion. They're yeah. trying to decipher our opinion, like, well, maybe they think this. Should we call them Negro? Should we call them Black? Maybe we should call them African American. What, call them? what do they want to be called? What are they saying they want to be called? Does anybody know any of them? Can somebody call one of them? And like, you know, we're, it's yeah. like, they are That's getting right. paid. You That's know, they're getting real. paid like a full yeah. salary yeah. to answer yeah. questions that we won't even chime in on. And it's like, yes. well, do you do you know one? I know one from the cafeteria. You do? You know, yeah, there's one that looks like, can you talk friend. to them? They don't vote. Oh, well, you know, it's just like, oh, oh well. my gosh, that's, that's, a, that's a mic drop. You guys should do a sketch on that. That's, that's what I was thinking. That would be a my great. Heather. Yeah. Well, that would you be great. Work out some yeah. sketches with that. Because also with, with, the, um, with the census, they're going through all yeah. the census and then everyone's worried about who's identifying yeah. what and no one's finding anybody. And, you know, I don't I know, but Heather's hair looks fabulous. Right. Did you put yeah, it does. Was that the mixed chick? Heather's chicks? hair does look good. She's using mixed chicks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Made it here. Now, girl, you go, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I looks like I need some on the top of my head. I, I use this chick too. You better yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> work it, girl. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like it's like I actually did the poll work for the last of a presidential election. I signed up as a poll worker and it was very depressing. Oh. Not that kind of poll worker. You shouldn't dance oh, like that, Maya. It's <laughs> oh, you it was like the taking last... the votes. I was working, I was in charge of the I knew you had talent, but right. I didn't know. Yeah. Votes too. Drop it yeah. like it's hot. 
And you weren't working the poll for the last election. I was working the poll for the last election. <laughs> no, that's, yeah. that's what you were not the doing. Last five was, I worked the poll for the last election. Any extra donations? Hey. Yeah, that's where people vote in single dollar bills. <laughs> is that dollar Mike Mike's on? Yeah. Our guest is on. Mike. What's, What's, What's up, going Mike on? Gang? You look very, very foggy. How are you? Do I look foggy? Maybe yeah. my camera. I don't know. My camera might be foggy. Rub it against a t-shirt or put on, get a tissue. Or, there we go. Now hey, to see there, you. Yeah, there, 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 there we go. How are you? Right Great to see you, everyone. Way to shout, way to shout out my dirty phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been busy. Anybody got time to clean the phone? Comedian <laughs> <laughs> Mike Yard has joined us. How have you been? I haven't hey. seen you in so long. I know, Maya. What's going on? It's been like uh, years. I years. Don't say, how years. Many. don't say how many. I'm at the Laugh Factory. I don't want anyone it's, to know. It's, it's been a okay. lot. Every, Maya, everybody know you've been around. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> how, what's, what's going on? How are you? How, how have you been? Are you doing any comedy? How are you surviving the pandemic? Or are you? Well, I've been pretty much quarantining and just, um, you know, focusing on writing stuff, just stuff that I had in my brain. Now that I have to sit still, you know, I could try to get that out. But I did, I did one show. I did a show in uh, Maryland at McGooby's. They, for some strange reason, they got some, they got some kind of pass to open up. And I did a, I did a weekend there, and uh, it was great. And then they shut it down the next weekend because, uh, you know, because of COVID. Fifty people got COVID, but they laughed yeah, no. their butts off. They got it was good COVID. It was the oh, good we COVID. had a hell of a weekend. We had a hell of a weekend. <laughs> if you're gonna get COVID, that's how you want to get it. Laughing. Listen. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. So yes. that's pretty much it. That's what I'm up to. Hey, Mike. You. I mean, uh, Maya. You're gonna have to give a nice little intro. Oh yeah, you don't understand. Back when we were coming up through Uptown Comedy Club. All, all oh through, my goodness. Uh, all through, the, it's hard to explain for people who have never uh, been into a, a comedy club the way uh, the old Uptown Comedy Club used to run. They like, you know, I, you know, when I first went up there myself, um, Pamela, I don't know if you remember Pam Green, she was from Uptown Comedy Club as well. And when we would go up there, it was like, if you weren't funny, they'd let you know. There was no polite uh -huh. clapping. There was like, either you're going to kill or, you know, where you leave crying. I don't know if you remember. Um, do you remember they had this crew called the Tenant Patrol? And their, and their job was to get rid of the horrible comics. So if you weren't doing your thing, they were the heck, they were the section that would heckle you. And they, wow. they made a lot of people, um, you know, readjust their life plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were, they were ruthless because I know those dudes. Like I grew up with one of them and and it's one of those dudes that I used to play the dozens with, you know? So these dudes know how to come back and how mm -hmm. to clap. They're not comics, but they know how to clap back. And so yeah. they weren't yeah. like, they weren't like the, the uh, hecklers that you could just destroy because they actually had comebacks, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uptown was a, Uptown was a nice boot camp for comedy, man. Yes, yeah. it was. So if you if you Absolutely. made it, yeah, if you made it through there. So going back to those days, I mean, watching Mike slaughter there and then slaughter downtown and slaughter all over. I mean, you were just one of the one of the not only the kindest comedians, but one of the uh -huh. one of the uh, most um, well-rounded. I mean, I think that's the difference is is being rounded to be able to to uh, make every different audience laugh 
and and also be able to handle yourself against the heckler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you learned that early coming up. Yeah. What was what was what was one of your worst uh, uh, heckling? Uh, <laughs> Do you remember? Anything? I don't know if you you probably remember this because this was around the time when you were in New York and we were we were grinding. Uh, you remember Cortez? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I remember Cortez had that room called Sheila's in Brooklyn. Yes. That was like, it was on decab, like right up the block from Spike Lee's store. Remember that room? I remember. Yeah, I, I, I think I remember going out there. I got booze. Sheila's was, Sheila's was the room, like, uh, when you got booked, you were nervous that whole week. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because not only was the audience, like, really tough, but if you bombed, Cortez would destroy you. And you, and, and Cortez is the, Guy, you couldn't go back and forth with him. He was—he's the champion of the dozens. Like there's no—he snapped on me one time for four hours. We drove from New York to Harrisburg, <laughs> Pennsylvania, and by the time I got out that car, I was ready to fight him. I was like, "Okay, enough! You win! God damn it! I told you you won at the second hour. Why are you still doing this?" But he would destroy you, and there was really nothing you could do. He was really that good at at, at cracking, at snapping on people. You know what I'm saying? So that was the first place I bombed. I bombed hard at Sheila's, man. I remember yeah. I bombed at Sheila's, and Tracy Morgan drove the getaway car. Like, <laughs> so bad, I ran out into the street. And Tracy's like, "Get in the car! Get in the car! Get in the car!" <laughs> Yo, like, Cortez, this is what he, this is what he used to do. I don't know. I don't know if you remember this, but if you bombed, he would go back on stage, and he would go. What happened, people? And the audience, he had his audience trained. They all would go in unison. They all would say, he let us down. <laughs> That's what the audience would say, like real condescending too, you know? He let us down. <laughs> and when I bombed, he went up there and he was like, what happened, people? And the whole crowd was like, he let us down. <laughs> and then Cortez was like, no, no, I know that brother. I just worked with him in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and he was good there. Tonight, <laughs> he did not let us down. The son of a bitch just didn't pick us up. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck, that still hurts my spirit, man. <laughs> that was my first bomb. I almost quit comedy oh, off of that. That one hurt. Whew. I remember the first ones. The first time you're getting booed, you don't I like it, your whole like month. My whole month was rattled. You, the only way yeah. to get back in is get on the get in the pool. What was your favorite moment in comedy? What was like the the like if you had to have like your top three greatest moments that you were that you will always remember? What were they? I got a standing ovation on uh, the Apollo Comedy Hour. That's that that was because that was my first television. I never did television before that, and I was so scared the whole day, the whole month, the whole from the time they told me I got it, I was scared, and and so I was I was in the in my dressing room, just scared to death, shaking like forgetting my jokes and everything. Like I mean, like I was a mess, and I went out there and I just went on, you know, like you know what it is for us. Once we hit the stage, it's cruise control, right? You yeah, could be going through all kind of shit in your head before you hit that stage. But as soon as you grab the mic, it's just cruise control. You just do you. That's what you do. And uh -huh. I just ran through my set and I ended it and I ran off the stage <laughs> and didn't even know I got a standing ovation until wow. I saw it on television with my family watching, yo. Wow. 
Yeah, that's great. That wow. was one of the best feeling because my mom was like, comedy, comedy. And then she's watching me get a fucking standing ovation. That's, at the oh, that's she's like, like well, the, maybe, that's maybe comedy, maybe comedy. Yeah. <laughs> that is so that's one of the best feelings I've ever had. Watching that shit with my family and not knowing that I had done, I knew I did well, but I didn't know I had done that well. Mm-hmm. Because I was so scared, I didn't even look. Like, I just yeah. left the just... stage. Wow. And so that was a great feeling. Wow. That's fantastic. Where did, and where did you go from there? Like, how did things evolve for you? I mean, I know it's been different for people now where they have their followers as opposed to playing these crazy shows where people could just clip you at any moment. Yeah, well, yeah. I did that for a while after that. I still did those rooms for a while. And then it's the, those rooms started getting to the point where it was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to jail. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with these promoters anymore. I'm gonna fuck somebody up. I can't do it. And so that's when I made my transition to the more mainstream uh, comedy uh, circuit. And mm-hmm. uh, and then from then it was just like you know, you know when yeah, you do this shit, people recognize yeah. and you get work. Uh, yeah, that's where I met you. Yeah, yeah. When you start doing the village and the Sundays, yeah. and then. Yeah, I mean, I remember from there, but you were always like killing it, though. Just yeah. That's because so- I've been doing rooms where I could get shot at any fucking moment. So <laughs> that'll make you be good. <laughs> you know, I guess those rooms did push comics to push, I mean, to make you stronger. I, cause, Hell yeah. I, yeah, I, I would say so, right? I mean. If you think you're going to yeah. get shot, like like the Peppermint, you think you're going to get shot. Like he's yeah. the- <laughs> These rooms would be like, like brawls would break out in these rooms. Yeah. Well, you also no, had the Manhattan proper, right? Also, mm-hmm. it was one in the oh, city. Yeah. That was you right. You know, all those rooms, like what I call short attention span theater. You got to know how to do them. <laughs> you got to know how to do them. See, yeah. some people go there and they get laughs in their first two minutes and they think they could just yeah. cruise to 15 minutes. No, no. <laughs> you have a seven minute window. I don't care how good you do it. After seven, they are shutting you down. <laughs> Mentally, they are checking out. Now they having conversations, and you're like, "But I was yeah. just chilling." Yeah, yeah you should have got yeah. off. So, what yeah. do you do in minute seven? What What's the formula for minute seven to pull them in? What's that about? No, I'm saying you just go hard from one to seven, and then get the fuck off. <laughs> that's, that's <it. laughs> yeah, Pam used yeah, to play that room. Just, Pam, you come out yeah. gun blazing. You just you you bring a machine gun on, and you just hit them. Bap, 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 and then you yeah. get the fuck off. Don't try to yeah. hang out and be their friends. They don't really like you. Problem is in Queens, and I lived in Queens. Yeah, I the have a whole was rough. there, and they would give me a hard time. Yeah. yeah the the was tough. Was tough. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. Wow. Yeah, yeah they Not blew that me I off. Forget it. That was I. I went. I went there once, and, and like, and that was after Andre Brown was trying to turn me into a funny comedian. He owned the Uptown Comedy Club, so me and Pam did this workshop with Jimmy Martinez and who else was in the workshop? Pam? Jimmy Mar. That's yeah. Tracy Morgan. Uh, we had um, Rudy oh. Rush. Yeah, we had Rhonda Fowler. You had yeah, uh, yeah, Rhonda Fowler. Um, How about? I remember the show had Rob Magnotti and uh, all kinds. Jim Brewer. Jim Brewer. Oh, Jim Brewer. Yeah. No, but but we. I didn't. I did an, I did uh, the workshop with Pam, and then I was just at the end of it, and Andre was like, "You need to go on, and you're gonna do this set five times." Yeah, I have times. I'm like, I'm gonna quit. This is terrible because I was bombing everywhere, and he's just just five times, five times. And literally, first time I went on, bomb. Second time I went on, bomb. Third time I went to the proper. 
bomb. I mean, like, it was like literally, <laughs> I was like the fourth time. He's like, I said five times. <laughs> Fifth time it was that, it was that, uh, it was Gerald Kelly's room in the Bronx, in the Brooklyn. He had, it was the Y. Remember he turned the Y in, in Brooklyn? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, and I'll never forget, this is how bad that room was. The room had, it was Epps was getting booed and Tracy was getting booed. And I still had to go on. But Andre had us all doing this karate class. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. Uptown Comedy Club and karate. So we were doing Wolf Fox. So I'm in the back of Wolf Fox. Fox. That's Wolf right. Fox. Yep. They're not doing their jokes. I'll do it. And then Carol walks on. He's like, this next sister coming to the stage and the whole audience, as soon as he said sister and they saw me, they're like, oh, come on. <laughs> come at me. And I was like, ah. I did that. Ah. That machine gun comedy and was like standing up. It was the first time I survived. Yeah. From st- and it was, and I, but I literally, I, had, I was like, why am I having panic attacks? Like those rooms would give you a, like if you were nervous to go on in a regular like white comedy room where everyone applauds, even though just because you got up there, you get, you get a yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this was like they you know, can I tell you my uh, my uh, my uh, Brown Brothers story? So yeah, yeah, yeah. When I started, I went to the uptown. I went to one of those workshops because I was trying to you know figure out how to get in, how to get mm-hmm. you know, know people and get around. So I go to the workshop and he looked at me. That I had glasses, and he <laughs> said that I should do like a gangster Urkel kind of setup. Like I should be like a. <laughs> I should be like a fucked out Urkel. And I fucking left. I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is not for me. If you're telling me that I should be a gangster Urkel, this is absolutely not for me, bro. <laughs> the fuck? I was like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, Watch tomorrow I walk out on Hollywood. Gangster Urkel, the new You know what I mean? I like, what? Yeah, those Brown Brothers had some very strange ideas, but they did have a really good club to start comedy at, though, because... That that yeah. that club let you know whether you had to work hard or not, man. Yeah. Mike, who who were some of your favorite comics, Mike, coming up though? I mean, like, who did yeah. you look to to like inspire you? When I start, you mean as when I as me as a comic yeah. or just like watching when you comedy? when you were starting up when you were coming up in the game. When I started, the first person that I really was like, wow, this dude is amazing, was Tracy Morgan. I saw Tracy Morgan <laughs> do a set where he was being a bus driver. And he was so, the thing that Tracy Morgan is really good at, he's really good at painting a picture for you. So you mm-hmm. actually see the joke, you know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. describes everything. And he was describing that bus drive. And I was like, oh my God, like I could never be that good, yo. Like, cause he went, he, he thought about every part of that joke, man. And I was so like in awe of that, watching him with wow. a little propeller hat on, just being brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't expect him to be brilliant, and he was being yeah. brilliant. Now I don't know physical. what to do him, but he was being brilliant back then. Oh my God, he was so good. So that's the first guy that I saw where I was like, wow, he's, yeah, that's something to strive who for did right you watch there. Before, who did you watch before that made you want to get, like what made you want to get into comedy? Uh, I, I never wanted to get into comedy. I got into comedy because I was working at the Museum of Modern Art, and I hated it. And then one of the security guards there, the new guy, was a stand-up comic. So I started going at my lunch break, hanging out with him, helping him write jokes and shit. And he was like, you should try this. I had never thought about it before. Uh, that wasn't even on my radar. But when I saw him do the jokes that we ro- worked on, I was like, wow, I, I participated in that. Like, it <laughs> like work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, yeah. maybe I can do it. And then I said, fuck it. If I do it one time, those people don't know me. If it don't go well, at least I tried it. 
and yeah. I and I went to the uptown and I did it and I and uh and and I killed and I was like that was it that was my you know how they say you know the first time you smoke crack that's when you get hooked because that high is so amazing yeah, yeah. That you keep trying yeah. to find that high again that mm -hmm. that was me for comedy man once I did that shit one time I didn't even know I wanted to do it I had no desire to do it up until that point and then once oh. I did it I was like wow. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I have friends. Right I have like my my younger cousin, a few friends that are like, oh, I should try like, like, especially like younger people in my family. I'm like, please don't. Please don't. You, it's, it, they're like, you think I'm going to bomb? I'm like, they, that, they're mad at me. Like, you think I'm not funny? I'm like, no, 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 no. The problem is, is when you are funny because then you can't stop. It becomes, yeah, that's it. It, it draws you into. <laughs> yeah, I was so crazy, right? I, when I did the show. I got off stage and I was so hyped because I can't, I couldn't believe that I just did that. And I was riding home on the train and I had to get off the train. I was, it, my, something was busting out of me. And I was like, I can't be on this train because I'm gonna get arrested on this train because I'm about to scream, yo. I'm about to like freak the fuck out because I just did stand up comedy. And I went into Bryant Park and just started screaming like, yo, I can't believe I just did that shit. <laughs> The homeless people were like, "Will you shut the fuck up?" <laughs> but it was like I was like so it was so it was like it was an out of body experience, man. I couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't contain it. I couldn't, you know. It's an amazing thing what we do, and it really is. So, Mike, I'm Mike, by the way, Mike, Mike. What up, uh, Mike? Hey, man. So you uh you worked at MoMA before? Is that what you were saying at Museum of Modern yeah, Art? Yeah, I worked at the Museum of Modern Art for was like ten years. Oh, so do you have a background in art? Were you like, was that a part of why you were there? Or? No, no, no. I worked in the, I, I ran the bookstore for them. So you don't oh, really need okay. an art degree for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. I had never, ever been to a museum until I worked there. <laughs> like I wasn't a museum oh, goer, you know what I mean? I was right. Like, it was like, yeah, yo, they real. hiring over here. I was like, all right. <laughs> where, where are you originally but then I ended up, I ended up running shit over there. Like I really, and then I ended up becoming a union rep. And then I, it was, I, I have a history there. I led a whole strike against the museum and we won. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Oh yeah. This boy got an amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was a I was a leader of a strike that actually um, we won. It's pretty cool. Wow. Did they try to snap at you? Is that what happened? They <laughs> <laughs> no, they tried not to pay my people, and I don't like that. They're very cheap. Those museums, all of them. They're always. No, they're these... well, most of them are nonprofit, which I get. And and most people work there. Most people that work there don't work there for money. Like most people yeah. work there because they are they're yeah. artists and they want to be yeah. around that. Yes. They want to soak up mm -hmm. that whole totally thing, true. right? But you yeah. have to give people a living wage. Like it, most of those people would be there if you just give them enough to fuck. Like there would be more than they don't want to break the bank. They just want to be able to pay their rent and live in this world and 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 get inspiration yeah. and you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah, people are greedy, yeah. so. And it's the mm -hmm. most amazing, that's the most amazing store of any museum I've ever, you know, that. that oh, it's a great place. It's a great place. I, yeah, so that's, that's fantastic. But, so are you originally from um, like uh, uptown, are you Brooklyn? I, I, I never really knew where you, where your beginnings were. Oh, no, I was born in St. Croix, the U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh, oh St. Yeah. Croix. You're an island boy. Yes, I'm an island boy. I was born there, and then I moved to New York when I was 13 years old. Oh, so you grew and up there 
for a while. And, uh, yeah, I was there for a little bit, and then most of my life I've been here, though. Mm. You have family there? You got family? Yeah, I still have family down there. I, 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 I used to go down there a lot before Corona. <laughs> no, <I'm> just, <laughs> I, I, I was going down there a lot, though. Like, I used to do shows down there and go down there and do some stuff with Carnival and stuff, you know? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Where's your favorite, where's your, what's your favorite city to work? Like, do you, when you travel, where's your favorite place to go? My favorite place that I've ever been to doing stand-up comedy is uh, the demilitarized zone. What? You mean like on the- Between North and South Korea? Yeah. The border? <laughs> That's your favorite spot? Is it a good club yeah, there? Yeah, it's the most fascinating place I've ever been, bro. It's like- But to perform or like to hang out? No, just to be. And oh, to perform okay. there because they, they were so- if you know where this place is and you go there and you see what they have to see every day, let me, it was nothing but dudes. There are very few, there's very few women on that base. It's all dudes and big dudes because this is how ignorant we are. We put huge um, soldiers on the border to uh, show the North, North Koreans how big we are. So, what? so all the so all the soldiers, yes, to intimidate. It's an intimidation factor. So all the soldiers on the border are like six four and better. Wow, wow. it's fucking weird. So you're the whole place there. is just weird, man. I gotta so get booked in Korea. No, it's sorry. the most. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most fascinating place I've ever been, man. Because when you're on that border, you just don't feel. You feel like you're. You feel like you're in a war zone. Wow. Wow. Yeah. When was your last time? When was your last time over there? Uh, I don't know, maybe about seven, eight years ago. That's wild. Do you usually work on the bases? I used to do them a lot more, but uh, I kind of slowed down with that. But I used yeah. to do a lot of bases, yeah. I used to, I like? enjoyed it. It's good, because they, they really appreciate it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I heard it's hard to get on those now. Like, it's hard to tour military. There's so many people who want to do it. Oh, yeah, everybody wants to do it, because I mean, it's decent money, and you know, it, you feel you feel great making the troops laugh. You you're just like, yeah. man, these motherfuckers see some of the worst shit ever, mm -hmm. and 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 you get to make them forget about that for a little while. You know what I mean? And and I've had like soldiers come up to me and like, man, you don't even know how much I needed this shit, man. You know, and they would go into stories about where they were just, you know, in the theater, and they were like, you know scared for their life and then to, to be able to just take a minute and just laugh and not think about that crazy shit. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of, some of the bases I did, you get a lot of, um, you used to get a lot of soldiers that were coming in from like Afghanistan. They would send them for like two week breaks or something like that. I don't remember if it's exactly two weeks, but like when they've been there for a while, they got to get them out because they'll lose their fucking mind. So Ooh, they nice. send them back for like a couple of weeks to just relax. You know, mm. and then a lot of those those guys would be coming to the shows, so it was cool. I mean, I always felt like I was doing something. Yeah, you mm. can feel the energy when you talk to people like that. You know what I mean? When they've just when they're coming out of there, you're like, this is a different energy off this person, man. Like, oh my goodness, the, absolutely. The intensity. I've met a few. I've, I have a few friends that were uh, that were combat soldiers, and there's a different vibe. It's just very, I just, I, I, can't even explain it. I just like, I think comedy period when you're actually able to 
lift people up whenever you're doing something and it's it's a job where you're sent in with a cause whether it's a benefit for like when you get to do like cancer benefits or this and that you start remembering um what what the job is as opposed to chasing everything down to just try to get to the next level of fame it just makes it it makes it so Mm -hmm. much so much worth uh the struggle um when you realize that you're kind of armed with being able to just you know bring laughter to people yeah Ah, so true. Well, I mean, Mike, when you got in, though, you weren't thinking about fame, right? You were, you were basically like, this is my, this is something that you were gravitating to. Like, I love this. This is. Oh, yeah. I never, I've never done comedy thinking about fame. That's, that's not at all why I started this. I started this because I knew that I couldn't work for anybody. And this was an opportunity for me to take care of myself and do something that I actually found out that I enjoyed doing. And I really didn't care about television and that's why I never took an acting class or never got it. I had agents that they would call me for auditions and I would never go because I don't really care about that. I just love doing stand-up, man. And and fortunately, I've become good enough that I work regularly and I've done mm-hmm. some television stuff, but it's not because I chased it. It's because I've done any TV stuff it's I've done because people knew me from what I do on stage and they're like, yeah, we want you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't chase that fame shit, man. It, it's I don't care about it. I rather just make people laugh, man. That makes me feel good. And you were writing for the Wilmore show too, right? At that point, at I was point, on. Right? No, yeah. I was a contributor. I mean, I wrote like I like I wrote some of the stuff that I was in, but I wasn't a writer. I was hired as a contributor to be because Larry said he wanted me to come and be me. He was like, just right. he said, I don't want you. I don't oh, want them to right. write no characters for you. I don't want him to try to make you anybody else on this show. I want your voice to be heard and just go out there and be you. And I was like, shit, yeah, you can pay me to be on TV to be me. What more can I fucking ask for? You know, I don't got to go take a class to figure out how to be me. Yeah, but he's quite a producer too, right? I mean, he does a lot of backing for a lot of comedians, right? Oh, Larry's the man. Larry's got a lot of things. He got a lot of things. He did the Bernie Mac show. He's a a co-creator of the Bernie Mac show. He worked, this dude has been around forever. People don't know. We just don't know him, right? He he wrote on The Office. He was on The Office. Wow, really? He wrote on The Living Color. This dude been around for a minute. Right, and we yeah. just starting to hit. All, we thought he was new, like he, he, like he just. Oh, he just came around. No, he's been around. Yeah, for a long he's time. been around for a minute. I yeah. saw him the first time on the Daily Show. Was he a stand-up as well, or was he a writer, actor, he, more? He started as a stand-up, but more gravitated towards the writing, mm-hmm. uh, and okay. and then he uh, then he became a showrunner. Like he's an, he's a. He's uh, one of the co-creators of Blackish and Insecure. That's right. Yeah, wow. he's got a f- mm. he's got a few dollars. He's he's doing just fine. Oh, he's That's doing right. the, pan- the pandemic is not hurting Larry Wilmore. No, no, he's doing fine. It's a good he, place to be in, right? Oh my God, yeah, yeah, he's doing just. But he has fine. a good eye. I mean, I think he has a great voice, though. He, he, yeah, he's a good dude. I mean, you yeah. know, he's 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 an alright guy. Yeah, I'm looking at his resume. And And he's so smart, man. Like you, like I watched watching that guy put a show together. It's it's fascinating Mm -hmm. because you're like, how did you see that? I didn't see that. How did you see that? And he'll just watch that board and he'll just be like, okay, we're gonna put this here and move that over there, and then okay, let's work on this and switch. And I'm like, how are you seeing all this shit at once, bro? Like I'm still trying to figure out how I should deliver this line. He's setting up the whole fucking show in like right. 10 minutes. He's really, he's good at what Amazing. he does. 
Yeah, he's amazing. He also does Insecure on HBO, which is yeah, really which I watch. Yeah, I like. Yeah, that. he does a really good. I mean, it's amazing how. Yeah, you're right though. You kind of feel like he's sort of half behind the scene. I feel like he doesn't care about it either. And what I mean is, he's not trying to be famous. He's just doing what he does. You know, he does what he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he can. I mean, he has. He he's built up that you know, that that um that history. He can mm. now. He can do what he wants to do. He has a deal with ABC where totally. you know, he's creating shows with them. So yeah, he's he's good. So yeah, cool. So How what do you, you? I was go gonna sorry, go ahead. No, go on, Mike. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, you sound like you were a true lover of stand-up. So how is COVID? Are you doing Zoom shows? Are you doing no, I don't any know, of that I'm stuff? Not. Or well, how are you handling things, you know? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bougie comedian. I don't believe in Zoom shows. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm real uppity about this shit, bro. Like, I believe that our art needs to be respected. And I, yeah, it, I it, that's you, a, that's a, to me, it's... I don't know. It's disrespectful for me to do a show on Zoom. I'm sorry. I, comedy is supposed to be done in a room with people in a basement where it's dark and we can talk about some shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's yeah, how I, that's, that's I'm a, I, whatever. I'm a purist. I don't care. I don't care what people think. I am. I believe in the the fucking brick wall behind you. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. and that that light just on you and those people like all up on the stage. You know, so we need a vaccine. Otherwise, I can't do comedy. <laughs> well, I mean, in other words, you. do you get an itch, though? You don't get that itch? like? Oh, absolutely. That's why yeah, I drove yeah. down to Baltimore to do fucking comedy yeah. at a club. In a COVID I, situation. I mean, listen, I've been quarantining like COVID scares the shit out of me. But I got my ass out the house and drove down to Baltimore to do uh, three shows that weekend. And I got a show in Jersey next month, so... You know, I'm yeah. trying to, I, I get the itch. I got the itch, but. but I know some what comics have been doing. Like? Okay. What was audience the audience like? People were thirsty, man. Were they, it, was yeah. it was a lot. It was, a, it was, it was, I mean, they couldn't fill it up. They had to socially distance right. people. Right, right, so right, it was right. like, I think huh. it was like 30% capacity, but it was that 30% was there. Mm. Like people. But was people, everybody kind of, was it delivering to them any different? I mean, because everybody's been all cooped up and kind of just slightly off center from all the stuff that's going on or, or was it just laughs? What was it like? No, it was, these people were ready to go, man. They were okay. so ready to go <laughs> the whole weekend. They oh, were just great. like, there was no like, let's bring them back into the, no, they were like, motherfucker, we need to giggle. <laughs> no masks, no one's wearing masks. The people, thankfully, the shows, I don't know if they told them to do this, but the shows that I did, the people in the front wore masks. And mm -hmm. the people in the back, some of them had on, some didn't. But like the stage, the, the club is really big, so the stage is huge. So you can, you when you're on stage, you're like ten feet away from the audience. Mm -hmm. So you know, I wasn't really worried about that. But the people in the front had masks on too, so I, I didn't feel like you know. Is that weird? Like you don't know if they're like, I guess you'll know if they're laughing, but you can't tell if they're smiling. You don't. You're like, you yeah, it was kind of strange. It was kind of yeah. strange. I do think, though, that it's kind of good for comedy because I'm noticing that the lives that we have as stand-up comedians that seem to always be out of balance are kind of just how they are every day. And those who aren't artists that have normal lives that have put us, we were, we've always been kind of the shunned, not normal crowd, are now mm. having to live like us, not knowing what's happening day to day financially or can they leave the house or not, which is almost <laughs> like having an anxiety <laughs> disorder. Um, am I going to work today? Am I not? Which is what com comedians think about every single day. Did I find a spot? Yeah. Can I find a spot? 
they're living like us. So it's kind of like, I think it's a perfect comedy environment because it's kind of leveled it out. The people who would be the hardest audience members are now as shook up and as mentally like, um, you know, off as we are. Yeah, yeah, now right. see yeah. eye to eye. <laughs> yeah, they're walking around. They're walking around the supermarket on a Tuesday afternoon. Like I don't even know what to do with myself right now. Yeah. Normally, I would be in the office. What the fuck do I need? Scallions? Yeah. Where are the scallions on Tuesday? <laughs> well, guys, you can perform in red states. You know that, right? With two huh? You can you can always perform in Florida. They they have some some shows over there. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not going. I'm not flying. I'm not. Listen, ba Baltimore was not a hot spot. I'm not flying into a hot spot. Nah, I ain't doing it. Kobe got me scared. I'm not going. I know. I'm scared too, buddy. Because I, I you don't know you. how it's going to affect you. Yeah, it right. might it's affect different. everybody yep. else and do nothing to them. And then it might just hold you and be like, ah, bitch, gotcha. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. No. Do you know anyone who's gotten it? Do you know people who Yeah, yeah. I know a couple of people. Like, I know people that died from it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, man. It's not a joke. I don't know no. why some people no. feel the need to make it a joke. But, okay, Tested. good for you. Politicizing a virus. And then we it's lost so well. We lost welfare. Fred. He used to be a, a, a one of our comedians from the uptown Wait. days. What happened to him? He got COVID. He died from COVID. He died. Wow. I know I he know died, that. but I didn't know it was from COVID. Yeah. It was COVID. Yeah. Wow. Welfare, Fred. And then they wow. had the whole history of how he was one of the top graffiti artists that did all the subways and and. And uh, all the art galleries that all over the world had discovered him in the last few years that he was one of the top graffiti guys. That oh actually, yeah, Keith Haring was his um, was his uh, protege. Was his he he trained him. He trained him. He was his assistant. He used to look for the police while he was tagging. That's <laughs> crazy, right? He was Ramon. Yeah. Huh? Ramon. Yeah. And yeah. if you meet Welfare Fred, you would never know that. You would never know. No, we didn't know he that. He was so humble. He was humble. Yeah. yeah, very humble. I knew he did graffiti, but I didn't know that he was uh, uh, Keith Haring's mentor. Like, Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until Jason Andors told me that. He never, all those years, he was just being Welfare Fred and never, ever, ever you know, did I know. And you know Jason Andors is like Zulu Nation and shit. Oh, yeah. He was a real, he was a serious breakdancer, right? Yeah. He, was, yeah, he, yeah. Was like he used serious. to run with African Bambada and them in the Zulu Nation. Like, he rocked, he rocked with them. Yeah, he used to be able to do some serious dancing. Well, Yo, yeah. white people be getting into shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck is a Jewish fucking white dude from Uptown doing as part of this? No, no you don't even know. He was a ballet dancer. He was part of the American ballet. He got See into... what I'm saying? Yeah, the, the American <laughs> ballet. And then no. he was a break dancer at the same time. Yeah, I mean, this place did everything. <laughs> Was this guy end up being a goddamn part of the Zulu Nation? That's hilarious. Do you, any of you guys remember he's a Whistling Will? He's a comedian. Will? He's a comedian. He was Wild on the Will. White Boys Wild from the Hood. Will. Oh, Wild Will. Do you remember Wild him? Wild Will Maya? Branham. Yeah. Yes. Let me tell you something. Wild Will. <laughs> I was doing a show with Wild Will, and he, uh, he, it was, I don't, it was at this club called Demerara's, and he went on stage. He was insane. He would, he would just whistle for no reason. And then and then he would and then he would and then he would have conversations with himself like he would be yeah, on stage was... and he would be like what are you smiling at and then he would sit in the seat and look at himself and be like I ain't smiling at shit he was insane <laughs> he was crazy 
and people used to laugh at him and make fun of him. And uh, okay. but we were doing a show at Demerara's, and he took a Bible and he opened up the Bible and he said, "The Lord said, let there be light." And then he threw the Bible. <laughs> oh my God! Oh. Yo, let me tell you something. I have never seen a room get that quiet that quick. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> nobody did. You can hear a pit. Even thugs was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> It was dudes in there with bodies, and they were like, I can't believe he just threw the Bible, yo. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was in the World Trade Center. He was there when it came down. There was a picture of him. Wow, Will, yeah. He was oh. staying down there. He was sleeping down there, I guess. Mm. He, got, he died there? No, no, he, no, he didn't oh. die there, but he oh, was oh. there. You, there's a picture of him coming out of the, what you when it fell in the, and all the dust. Wow. Yeah. So there's a picture of him coming out of, uh, with all the dust on him and the piano scarf he used to wear. Mm. Yeah, I remember that piano scarf. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Pam, was Pam, Pam was there. She walked over the bridge. She was there through the whole thing, too. Oh, yeah? That's when she left. Oh, yeah. yeah. I left New York behind that. I saw the plane's head. I wasn't really? frustrated. The wow. What? Right, but I'm going to get emotional now. But I dreamt it happened that Sunday before it happened. And I went to work that Monday and I talked about it. And I always had a fear of working down there because of the towers, because the first time they tried to do it. Mm. And that Tuesday morning, I was on a bus going to work and we was praying because we had a crazy bus driver. I got off the bus at Pearl Street, went into my building, and my girlfriend went to the one on um, right across from the World Trade Center. And I got upstairs, I went to open up the office, and the phone started ringing. And they were saying, Mr. Graham, I'm going to be late today. I'm like, what's the matter? I said, I don't know. I'm at the World Trade, and I see a lot of glass and blood. Something happened. I don't know what happened. I said, okay, just get here. Be safe. After the fifth call, I'm like, what's going on? So we had no TV in my building where I was. So let me call my mother. I said, Mom, what's going on? I'm getting all these phone calls. She said, well, Pam, I think a helicopter hit the World Trade by mistake. It was an accident. I said, okay, cool. I went to the elevator shaft. And right there, I can see right into the World Trade Center. I saw the plane. I saw the blue, the fire. And it was really hot. You could see the blue. I saw the blue illuminating around the plane. I saw people jumping out the building. Wow. When them girls got off the elevator, they was bleeding, glass, crying, everything. I said, okay, just go sit down, go sit down. I went back to my office, and I got more people coming in off the elevator. So I go back to the elevator shaft, and while we're standing there, the second plane, how you see it on TV, how it went around and came and went through. Yeah. That's how I saw it, like this. We all yelled, terrorists, terrorists. And we all ran, got our stuff. And me being management, I let everybody get off the floor. Then I went down. I had an asthma attack. When I got outside, it was pandemonium. Police, fire trucks, ambulance, everybody running, crying, screaming, hollering. To this very day. If I hear a fire truck, an ambulance, and a uh, police car together with the sirens, I smell burnt flesh to this very day. Wow. 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 The anxiety, I had angoraphobia. She, walked, she walked back to Lefrak City. She walked back I to Lefrak City. I walked all the way to Queens. I walked all the way to Queens. With, wait, with wow. my coffee in my hand like this the whole time. They had to pry wow, it out of my in, fingers. In shock. Just, I was in shock. Just in FBI shock. came, investigated me, I had to go to the hospital. Let yeah. Me tell you. Uh -uh. I remember uh dog didn't Dogface pass away in World yeah, Trade he, Center? Yeah. Another yeah. great yeah. comedian that we all yeah. used to roll. Yeah. 
Yeah. Why was this... Whistling Willie sleeping in the sleeping? Why was he sleeping? Was he? Oh, he was homeless. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah, he was a homeless dude. And he Will was, was a comic? Will, was, uh, Will had yeah. mental issues, I think. Something happened to him because when I met him, yeah. he wasn't like that. And then somebody yeah, he got he worse. went to a party and somebody slipped something in his drink or something. Uh, that was the story. The story he was, was worse. He got worse, Mike. And it fucked him up. That's yeah. right. Because hmm. in wow. the very beginning, he wasn't like that. He wasn't like that. He was able to talk. When I met talk. him, I thought he was going to be famous, yo. Yeah. He was so easy to sell. If you if, if you met the Will before he got a little nutty, he was so easy to sell. Yeah, because he was mm. so different and odd. He was just a strange... And non-threatening and yeah. goofy and good-looking and, you yeah. know. He was he was definitely an odd dude, and he could, he had something, but... but that's what I think sudden... of... Yeah, go ahead, Brian. So I was just thinking with comedy, which, well, that's what's interesting about New York comedy is, like, you know, you came, you come through, and, like, when I started... When I was at Uptown, Pam was, like, my big sister through Uptown, and then, like, you know, everybody... You know, Tracy's, Tracy Morgan sent her to uptown you know and then you end up on this with this camaraderie of people that you know everybody comes from all these different tragedies of their lives and you don't realize the the drama and trauma mm -hmm. that they're going through but yeah. like it was it's kind of interesting because after it's such a small circle of people that you you really do build a camaraderie and like like a, a love for people even when they're like having hard times we're out here if there was somebody that was going through a hard time very it's very quick to just get them out mm -hmm. of the space and and not yeah not you know to to kind of isolate and, and and clicks that are more like we have a lot more of like a family base and so you even when you find out what happens it's like you know he you found out that this person was there and then he was here and everyone is a little even if even if they're not your closest in your closest group you're not nobody's really ostracized it's like you know the next person comes up can i get on the mic you know, and like misogyny yeah. be like, go ahead, get up there. Cause you don't know, you, you know, you know, you don't know where people are going to end up in life. And so we, that's one of the reasons why I love doing this show. Cause it's kind of like people that are my favorite people that like have a heart in comedy. And sometimes we come into things in our lives and, and then we fall out of them, but the mm -hmm. compassionate people that are there through your journey, you know, and, but um, you know, Maya too, I was always feeling like that. I was always honest with comics. If they're not good, they're not good. I'm not gonna lie to you. Did you really tell anybody that? I, I there were a few guys that had to I, they had to quit. Yeah. It was like you gotta stop. Yeah, it's and I and I and I didn't wasn't mean about it, but I would just say if you don't change what I'm trying to tell you, mm -hmm. you're not gonna make it. And and that was and that was probably a few guys. But did any of them show you? Like I'll show you, and that guy's name is. And they never have a show. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but you were was, right. You were right. <laughs> and it, I hate. I wouldn't want to be the bearer of bad news, and I never want to be that person that breaks someone else's dreams. That was never my point. But when you're talented, you're talented. And uh -huh. so being at the Boston and also running it, doing the door booking, you just you just know talent. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's like, but my my point was never to lie to a comic. If he's horrible, like, I, I and he he's doing it after a year, and I'm like, you're still doing the same thing. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I, I can't lie to you. you know? Right. This, this is this is what I would tell comics. Like, I remember one, a comic one time asked me why I don't book that when I used to have rooms, and asked me why I don't book them on my show. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. 
I hear you. Answer me this. I have Freddie Ricks on tonight. I have uh, Smokey and I have <laughs> Kenny Williams. Which one of them do I not book to put you on? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Explain to me which one of them do you think I should fire so that you could be on this show? Yeah. Right. They couldn't answer yeah. the question. Yeah, they couldn't answer that question. Yeah. So call me when you know that you're bet that you that 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 you can answer that question. You know, it was and, and sometimes a tough love helps. Like I remember, like I was bad for a really long time. I think probably longer than most people. And it was like, I remember when I finally thought I had gotten it together, and I went up to see, I went up to Sugar Shack. Mm, was that was a great room. And I was yeah, begging to get on. And I remember I came, I came from like Jersey on a bus and everything. And I got there and, um, and, and, and with the lineup, they're like, ah, now nah, you can't go on. And I'm like, well, I came all the way over. And uh, whose room was that? That was um, Rob Stapleton. It was Rob Stapleton's room. Oh, yeah. And Rob said, Rob's like, if I'm going to put you on, I'm going to have to put you on after Tony Woods. <laughs> so do you have, can, and I was so, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm like, yeah, put me on after Tony Woods. And, and that's when, and I'll never forget, he, he went, like, he, said, he said, all right, you got five minutes. And he goes on stage, he goes, she has five minutes. If she goes over that, feel free to throw shit at her. And so supportive. I, and I, Rob did not play with young comics, man. He did but not I went, play with at young the comics. end of the day, I went on and I had, that was like the best, the first best five minutes I had ever done. Like it went over really well. And sometimes, you know, you push yourself into the uncomfortable spot. Uh -huh. You better bring all mm -hmm. you have. And, and then that builds your courage because then like when you pull something off like that, then all of a sudden you get a little bit more respect, like, Hey, okay. And then, you know what I mean? But that, that yeah. turns you into now it's like when, when I had to go through that circuit and gotten as booed as I was and chased out of clubs as I was like now, anybody gives me any hard time. It's like, what? Like I survived, yeah. but it's, it's not easy, but it's a, know? but it makes you either it can break you or it can make you like, if you wanted that bad, cause I've seen comics that, you know, you, you'd say one formula didn't work like, like Will heckling himself didn't work. But you know, then I remember Artie heckled himself on his Def Jam. Remember mm. Artie, that was Artie's Def Jam was he heckled himself. He ran up yeah. the stage cause he's so bouncy, but he, but like Will was skinny and bouncy too. So he'd bounce off the stage. Yeah then snap back mm -hmm. on himself or run back on the stage and snap back, you know, so you see, you see evolution. And, and so it, it's interesting to me because like, you, you do see some comics that you go like, there's something not, that's just, that's not like if you hang out with them and they're not funny. And there's right. like, there's you always funny. have two sets, like white rooms and black room sets. No, no, well, actually I did at the time because I came from the white rooms first. And then I went uptown and then Jameek was like, no one's going to laugh at that here. Uh -huh. And so that's I when you run into problems when you start listening to people like Jameek. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was, you know, and I was always doing, you know, and, and it was funny because now like their jokes, one of the jokes, there was actually two jokes I wrote way back then when I came to uptown and was told they weren't funny. And I dusted them off and I put them in my last show because Robert Townsend was like, that joke is hilarious. You have got to, I was like, 
and in the back of my head, because you were still that same young comedian, I was like, but uh-huh. Jamique told me I was going to walk with it. And you sound like an idiot. And you know you're like, you who do like, I listen to? Robert Townsend or Jamique? Or yeah, you know, so you get like, ah. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I went through this thing, and it's the Black Watch handshake joke. So oh I, God, you know, it, uh-huh. and so, and it's funny That's because funny. even when I was at last, and I'm like, maybe it's old, and I, I did it last year in the city, and everyone was crying, and it's like these young kids that are like 20 years old, and they're crying over the joke. So it's really, it's funny though. I do find I do find there's times where you t- write something and you could perform it, or there's sometimes you do have to shift for the rooms. And then there's times like, like I remember Chappelle would tell me, you know, sometimes you'll write like seven years. He's like, he would write jokes way before he could perform them when he was writing. He'd write a joke and then he'd be like, it would take me years to catch up to my own pen. So I kind yeah. of also found that too. There's a couple of jokes yeah. where I'm like, I still have not really performed that joke the way that joke needs to be. And it's like, I'm trying to get up the momentum, but it's, it's, sure. it's such a process. And that's why I love uh, comedy. Cause it's not like uh-huh. fine art. It's not like your painting isn't finished. It is after each stage that you leave the stage, but it's constantly, it's a constant, like as you discover yourself in life, um, how do you articulate your story and your journey and your, and, and what you've seen, you know? Yeah. It's all about growth. Hey, Mike, yeah. is there any but subject I never, that you I leave would alone? Never, I would never do... I mean, I, I just, I, to me, comedy is universal. And I found that, especially like as a black comic, I used to notice that a lot of black comics that worked on the black circuit wouldn't want to do white rooms because they would be concerned that they wouldn't get them. But what they didn't realize and what I found is that white people want to hear what we got to say because they don't know shit about that. They, white people love to learn and they want to hear about different <laughs> worlds that they're not a part of. White people are very inquisitive. So, <laughs> I love that just being white people. We, I'll tell you. Can I chime in here as a white person? We love learning. We love. We're curious, and we like to explore. Exactly. Why do you think we went to space? Why do you think we went to the moon? Exactly. Why are we? Sorry? Why do you think they spend millions of dollars and fund expeditions to find out how the albino snow leopard pisses? That's because <laughs> white people. Or, you know, James Cameron went to the bottom of the ocean. Why did yeah, he do that? For what? For Seven what? miles down. I don't know. St- curious. He's going to set up a, a summer home down there. Well, there's no reason. There's no, there's no, no reason. reason. For you, totally agree. <laughs> It's such a classic white, curious person. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, he did. But I've always just done my shit, man, you know? I I don't give the audience any power. Well, Mike, is there any subjects that you would never touch? I don't talk about women's menstrual cycle. (laughs) Very specific. I am not taught. I don't touch that subject. (laughs) I see a lot of male comics trying to do it and more power to them. But no, I don't fuck with that. And um, I just don't, I don't disrespect black people on stage. Do you write on stage or do you Oh, write? that's the only place I write, yeah. I don't write. Oh, you don't, don't do anything I, at home? Like, you don't have anything? I don't write like jokes down, no. Mm, no. Interesting. I don't have a joke book. I've never written a joke down. Seriously? Wow. Well, I think that's no, actual- because once I write it down, it's not funny to me anymore and I can't do it. How do you what? memorize it? Then? Yeah, how do you remember them? The meat of what well, worked. I just do it. I get on stage and I, and I do it over and over again. And I sit in my house and I go through it in my head over and over again. And then I formulate it that way. But I, 
I, I've tried, trust me. I've tried to have a joke book and write shit down because that's so much more efficient than the way I do it. But it just doesn't work for me. Once I read my joke, it is corny as fuck to me. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember, like, do you go through years and someone says, oh, remember that joke from five years ago? And you're like, no. Or do you remember? No, I remember all the jokes I've ever done. I don't remember a lot of shit. I have like a really bad memory when it comes to a lot of shit, but I have, there's not a joke that I've ever done that I don't, that I don't remember. Wow. And I've been doing this shit for 20 some years. Wow. wow. It's, it's the timing is so specific on material and, and you're not just f physical what you do and everything. And you remember yeah. that. It's amazing. Yeah, timing is a definitely. I remember the problem. first joke I ever told as a stand-up comic. What is it? What is it? It was a real, it was a fart joke. It was a <laughs> <laughs> It was about, I said, I just moved in with my girlfriend and here's what I learned. Like women, women, uh, when you date them, they don't fart. But as soon as you move with them, when they move in with them, they fart all over the place. They fart uh, in the sleep, they wake you up. I said, uh, and, uh, and uh, I forgot what the punchline was. Um, this is how I knew that my relationship wasn't gonna work with this girl because her fart woke me up out of my sleep and I sleep hard. And she farted, and I jumped up, and I was like, somebody broke in the house. That was <laughs> I was like, what kind of nasty criminal would just break in the house and fart? <laughs> that was the first joke I ever told. I started off real basic, real fucking hacky, and then, uh, and then just grew, you know? Wow. Yeah, that was it. Wow. That and a joke about somebody with bad breath on the subway. <laughs> that was your first set. But have you ever done like you so you don't watch yourself back? Like you know if you just go on a run and you're kind of riffing on stage and like that was amazing. Do you, you don't watch the tape? You remember what you said? I tried that man. I started taping myself and I was and I would try to like especially when I was doing like an hour, so I would just tape it and then I would never listen to it. <laughs> it is hard. I, was just never, I can't stand the way my voice sounds. It's yeah. really weird. Like, I just hate listening to myself. I can't do it for long. Only The only time I've ever done that for an extended period of time is when I was editing my album and I had to. Right. But other than that, I don't, I just don't do it. I just, it's been working, man. I go, I, I work on stage. I used to host a lot of rooms, which I don't know why people are anti-hosting. That's the weirdest thing Hosting to me. Because as a host, you get to grow so much because you're responsible for the energy in mm -hmm. that room for the whole night. And if you do something regularly, you can't be doing the same shit every fucking week because mm -hmm. you have people coming there every week right. that are becoming right. fans of y'all. So you're forced to grow. And I right. learned, that's how I learned to do that. I would mm -hmm. just, I would host a lot of rooms and I would just riff every night every night i would go on stage and just talk shit and then i would be like okay i'm gonna keep that and uh and sometimes i would remember to keep it sometimes i wouldn't but that's how i that's how i wow. learned how to so how like to, you're not a big drinker or a drug user so i think that no i, I don't use drugs that, at all that, that, yeah that's why you can remember things <laughs> yeah well yeah <laughs> Plus, 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 if I don't know these jokes, I can't pay my rent, so. Right, that's a motivated. That's a hell motivated. of a reason to remember these fucking jokes. You have all your brain cells, buddy. You can what's, the name of, what's the name of your album, and where can people find it? It's called Axiom, and it's everywhere. iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, it's everywhere. It's 800-pound uh, Gorilla Records, and uh, it's called Axiom.
Oh, that's good great. Listen. I'm going to listen. I'm, I'm supposed to do a record for them uh, in July, but COVID, so oh well. <laughs> oh, man. COVID but, shut everything down. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to it, and we can uh, post it as, and, you know, as this goes. Yeah. Um, this is going to be on the uh, Laugh Factory's uh, podcast network, so we'll uh, put a tag in all of it so that people find your album and can enjoy you. So Yeah. Thank you. Nice. Well, thank you so much. I like much. the joke about the about the bat. That bat joke is hilarious. Oh, that's such a true story, man. Oh, tell My it, first tell it. story that happened to me too. The same thing. I had a bat in San Antonio. No, in New York. Oh yeah. Oh, in, in New, New York. York. New York in New Queens. York. Yeah. I lived on a top floor in an apartment building, and we was in my house. We was getting high. It's time for my friends to go home. And they like, okay, open the front door for them to go out the door. And the bat kept on trying to get in, it came off the roof, kept on trying to get to my apartment. I'm like, look, y'all gotta go home. I don't care what y'all do, y'all can't stay here. But y'all let that bat get in my apartment. Y'all gotta go. It was three females, it was three guys and one dude, right? They're like, but Pam, as they open the door, the bat tried to get in. I said, cut the light off. Cut off the damn light, but you gotta go home. <laughs> An hour later, I'm like, look, because I'm high now. I want to relax. Go. Get out of my house. So they said, okay, one, two, three. They opened the door, and it all started running down the steps. And that bat got this close to my door, and I slammed it, and the, and the wind got caught in the door. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. bat. The, but, but they were gone. Could you imagine me in the house floor with a bat, and I'm high? Could you imagine that? <laughs> oh, no. Did you no, free no. the bat, or is the bat still there? Did you eventually open the door? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what what, what, what was in the house, back. Pam? What was in What's the house? What's the bat want? What did he want? <laughs> know what it is? Because the bats come out at night, right? But the, he saw the light. So being that it was dark and the door opened up, he was going toward the light. Because bats are blind, but that little light that he saw drew him to my apartment. Huh. That got to go home. Get up well, out of here. Well, I want to hear Mike's bat, sto bat story. Tell him, tell your bat story now. Oh my God. Tell my, him, my bat story is I was in San Antonio and I was sitting in my hotel room and a bat flew into my hotel room. I'm sitting on the computer and I had the window cracked and a bat flew into the window and just I like I threw the computer at him. I was like, <laughs> like when I saw the bat coming, I threw my computer at him. I was like, oh shit. Is that a bat? And, the, and it missed, of course, because you know they got radar, so you can't really hit a yep. fucking bat. And then, so this is the craziest thing about this story, though. So the bat is in my room, and he's go he goes into the bedroom, and he hit, he hangs on the curtain. He just grabs the curtain with his feet and just fucking went to sleep, yo. This motherfucker <laughs> just went to sleep in my room, and I'm freaking out. I called the ASPCA, and they said, well, they don't come. They said, did, did the bat bite you? I yep. was like, no. They were like, well, then we can't do anything. I was like, so I need to catch rabies for you to be able yep. to come and, <laughs> and take yep. this. Are you fucking kidding? Are you kidding yep. me right now? Do so story, then, I yep. called, then I called the guy at the front desk, and he was like, well, what kind? He said, well, he said, well, what kind of bat is it? No, he said, he said, well, he said, what kind of bat? He said, he said, no, this is what he said. No, he didn't say what kind of bat. He said, he said, don't worry about it. This way, he told me what kind of bat it is. He said, don't worry about it. It's probably just a fruit bat. And I, I was like, I don't give a shit if the bat is gay. What I want to know is, 
gay or straight, how fucking, how do I get rid of this bat? <laughs> and this, I swear to you, this is what this guy told me. I'm not making this shit up. He said, well, where's the bat now? I said, he's in his room. <laughs> in his room. And he, and he said, well, that's perfect. He said, just go in there. He said, just sneak up on him. He said, and then just, he said, just grab him. He said, while, while he's sleeping, just grab him. He said, and then chuck him out the window. <laughs> I said, dude, I'm not a back grabber. That is not who I am. <laughs> so here's what happened, though. Because people always, I and when I do the joke, I never say what actually happened to the bat. What happened was the guy sent the maintenance guy up to help me get rid of the bat, which when he got up there, he was like, I'm here to help you get rid of the bat. And I was like, I think you misunderstood my phone call. I don't, I'm not helping you. <laughs> <laughs> I called so that you can get rid of the bat, not help me. And then, so he, his smart idea was since the bat was sleeping on the curtain, that we would fold the bat up in the curtain and then he would carry the bat out. And I was like, okay, you could try that. Right? So I'm standing by the door. I'm standing by the bedroom door. He goes to fold the bat in the curtain and the bat wakes up. And then it flies after after me, who's standing by the door. So I just shut the door and locked him in the room with the bat. And he was freaking out. And I was like, just open the window. Open the window. Let him out the window. And then the guy finally opened up all the windows in the, in the uh, because they had me in like this apartment. And he opened up the window, and the guy and the bat flew out the window. So that's, that's how he got rid of the bat. I'm stressed. I lost my shit. I'm stressed. I, lo I love that joke. It was hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a true story, man. That's <laughs> hilarious. No. Oh, do you remember Cookie? Remember Cook from Uptown? Can I tell you that's who introduced me to comedy? Cook just said, what's up? He's, he, he, he's on the feed, so he said to say, what's that's up? That's Cook. Cook introduced me to stand-up. Cook was the one I helped write jokes. Are you serious? I, yeah, he oh, helped so him with Cook. some jokes oh, about, okay. um, about, he did a joke about um, a, a Jamaican nanny in a white neighborhood, and I helped him with some of like the Jamaican stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I went and I saw him do it at the Uptown Comedy Club, and it killed. And I was like, okay, shit. I participated in that, can I? Maybe I could do it. And him and the Toothless Slobby. Remember Toothless? I love yeah, Toothless. Yeah, Toothless. I love Toothless. Yeah. Yep. Toothless, Toothless. Yep. He's able wow. to tell the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing and but, nothing the, but tooth. the tooth. <laughs> yeah, th th those guys were like, I'm telling you, Cook helped me a lot when I first started. Like, he helped me a lot get when yeah, I got he to was uptown. Cool. And then, and then, but Toothless, when I did my first road shows, when we were going to some crazy place for $50, driving hours out and you sleeping on the floor with five dudes in a room, because that's how yeah. you had to get down, like mm -hmm. the ski yeah. lodge or something. And I was like, Toothless, you're, I don't know where I'm going. Toothless, like, don't worry, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> toothless, so toothless, I love, love Toothless. That, yeah. It was like such a great big brother, like making sure that like, you know, as a female on the road, you don't know. It's always uncomfortable, but you want to go and roll with the guys so you can go do the shows. So we go to some places and everybody was nuts. And Toothless was like, don't worry, I got your back. You can, you can, yeah. you know, you can share the bed next to me. <laughs> like, like, you're like on the bed, butt to butt, fully clothed because you're trying to do comedy. You want that yeah. $50 for your first road gig. It was crazy. And you can't do that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys you can't, you could never feel that like that much love and safety and like, 
no, Toothless no. and Cookie, those guys were. Ooh. I met Cook through Toothless was working. He got a job at the at, at the MoMA as a security guard. Oh. And so I met him first, and then Cook, like I don't know if he came to see him one day, but I met him through Toothless. Like he came to visit, and then we was all talking, and then Cook would come, and then uh, um, you know come and meet and see Toothless, and then. We would just sit there and write jokes and talk shit and come up with stuff. And uh, that, that was my introduction. That's Around. so crazy. That was bringing nice back history. memories. I, I remember know, when, remember, know if Cookie remembers that, but yeah, that's, that's I remember he, when, the reason I got into this shit. Cook, Cook um, used to, I remember he used to have a little day job at the, at the subway. And I was like, we are all hungry comedians. So he'd always like, I'll get you this sandwich. And I was <laughs> subway sandwiches. So he always got that. And every time I go into a subway and I smell the bread, I think <laughs> we were starving comedians way back, like trying to just, you know, do that comedy. That was a crazy and, time. You know, so yeah. Those were some crazy times. I know. They were fun though. They when you were. look back at it. They definitely were. Well, thank you so much for your time and sending you love and safety during during uh, Corona. And and uh, you've been just like such a joy to talk to. And I'm sure. Oh, for thank you. Too. So. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Thanks for having me. And everybody stay safe, man. It's crazy. Too, Mike. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Be safe. Let us know when you're doing comedy again. Repost because now it might be who knows how long because you're not you're bougie. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm doing a like a, a outside amphitheater kind of show in um in jersey and uh the uh i think it's september 26th somewhere in jersey okay so i'll let you know how that goes okay yeah. everybody go uh, to his page <laughs> yeah. all right thank you, you all right take care all right mikey Bye.